I think about Jesus and what that cross was for him. And my cross is so little. It was like she would reflect on that. So it was always, a, where am I at today? It, it's nothing like what Jesus endured. So how can I complain? This is Truth Pop with Jake and Kathy, a Catholic take on faith and culture. Faith and culture. This is Truth Pop. We are here at Seek 24 in St. Louis. I'm Jake, and Kathy is here, and we have the pleasure of speaking to Mary Ann and Ken Dupong. They are the parents of now servant of God, Michelle Dupong, who was actually a focused missionary, and she passed away several years ago, but is now uh, has her cause opened to canonization. So we're going to have the chance to just learn a little bit more about Michelle's life and also some of the miracles that have been attributed to her and her cause. So for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't heard about Michelle before, can you share a little bit about her life and her story? Michelle was very simple. We're very simple. We're farmers from Western North Dakota. Well, she actually was born in Denver. We were living there at the time. She was the fourth child born. And we moved to the farm in North Dakota in 1985 when she was one. And so she only basically remembered the farm and she loved Haymarsh, the little farming community, Catholic community we were from. Michelle was an easy child. We didn't think as being extraordinary. Well, but though you always think your children are, are something special, right? But she had an ordinary childhood and helped with the chores. We all have to pitch in when you're on a farm and uh, she went to grade school in a public school that's what we had available in in Glenola North Dakota and so after her graduation uh, with the love of farming and agriculture she wanted to become a horticulture major so she attended North Dakota State University in Fargo and there her faith just blossomed we're so grateful for that campus and the Newman Center Father Cheney's first year at NDSU um, brought in the focus missionaries. That was the first year. And Michelle took everything hook, line, and sinker. She went to daily mass. She did her holy hour. She was involved in Bible studies and became so excited and passionate about what she experienced and wanted to share it with others. Well, from there, after graduation, it was so impactful for her that she decided she wanted to become a focus missionary. And interesting enough, when she applied, they didn't give her an answer right away. And so she asked if she could come back and work at our farm, which we were grateful for at that time. We had a fruit project going on and we needed extra hands. So Michelle came home um, and it was very late in May or early part of June that year when she gets the call from Focus that they decided they would find a team for her to be on down in Nebraska, Lincoln. And um, she was so excited. We have this picture of her leaving the yard in her car, waving the papal flag. She was so excited to go serve for the church. And she had one year on that campus. Then she did two years at South Dakota State University and two years at the University of South Dakota. 
and then one year in Bismarck at the University of Mary. Was, so six years as a focus missionary. And she talked about these Sikh events, so excited about taking her disciples there and having that great experience. So awesome. Um, from there, we had a new bishop come to our diocese, Bishop David Kagan from Peoria, Illinois. And he met the focus missionaries at University of Mary, which that gave him opportunity to, to meet Michelle. When she discerned that she should look at another vocation, she was, wrote a letter to the bishop and asked, how could I serve? I would be honored if I could serve you in any capacity. He called her in the next day and said, I have a position. I want you to be head of North, uh, the Bismarck Diocese, director of adult faith formation. So with that, she started out um, working with all the parishes and the DREs, giving them information. To start with, how do you transform your heart? It's not a job. This is a relationship. This is how do you get to know Jesus better. And little did we know at that time, she did actually make podcasts that she did monthly and would send them out to all the parishes so that they could learn what she had learned. We never knew that until after she passed away and we heard the talks ourselves. We are going, oh my goodness, we'd never heard Michelle give a presentation. It, it was passionate. That's all I can say. And they're still available on the Bismarck Diocese website under under faith formation so um, she worked there and one of her main events was the thirst conference down in Bismarck she wanted to have this kind of an experience for everyone she brought in uh, through the bishop's approval the Scott Hahn Cardinal Dolan was there and a lot of her spiritual directors Edward Suri and, and it was like, we never had this opportunity, and it was so exciting for the diocese. And it was extraordinary, because we were exposed then for the first time to that kind of a quality and the capacity of experiencing the numbers. I think there were maybe 9,000 people that came to Bismarck for that event. So that was very a very blessing advance. She worked at the diocese for, I think it was around two years, when she was starting to suffer um, a lot of abdominal pain. Went to the doctors, they just kind of thought it was maybe a flu. They didn't do lab work, they just kind of said, oh, there's a lot a bug going around. Well, by the time that Thanksgiving came in 2014 and she was at home, we noticed when she went to Mass, she sat down. And it was so unlikely for her to do that during the Gospel. I had asked her, well, you know, what's wrong? And she said, I have this pain. I don't know, just, it's, you better, you know, we, you should get that checked out. And she said, yes, I will. She did have a scan, and it showed that she had ovarian cysts. And they said, but that's not a big deal. That just goes away. and six weeks or so just take painkillers and they, they might just dissolve and everything will be fine but it, it did not get better she was in severe pain and and, and, and developed ulcers from the painkillers and so by the time christmas came she she was unable to eat and and very miserable so they scheduled the, the procedure for her 
I think it was December 28th. And it was supposed to be outpatient, quick deal. And they came out after a long wait to tell my daughter Renee and I that no, she has something very serious going on here. There's tumors from the front to the back, side to side. Her whole abdomen's full and decided um, they didn't really know how to approach it other than put her on hospice care. We had asked for a second opinion and with the goodness of, of Father Cheney, he offered to fly her to Mayo Clinic and we were able to get in there right before, on New Year's Eve. And there they assessed the situation and they too said, this is extreme, we can do something experimental with chemo and radiation, but we might send you on to John Hopkins for experimental therapy, but first try this. It was a difficult journey, a very difficult journey. Michelle never complained and she never appeared um, shocked that she should receive such a unexpected diagnosis and she just accepted it in just tremendously calm and whatever God wants I, I know I can trust in him one time when she came out of the uh, one of her tests she told us that Jesus told her that he wants her in the garden with him we knew what garden that was and it just it went from there later on in her uh, hospitalization she was put on a intubator that was right toward the end and she couldn't breathe and the doctor told her told us that there would only be like a one percent chance that she could come off of that intubator and over a period of probably three or four days he would come in and check and right away in the morning he'd look and see what her x-ray shows and he he couldn't believe that she was getting better she was her lungs were improving and after about the fourth day he thought they could try taking her off of the intubator she told the deacon there it was a friend a real close friend that we developed over the year and he he told the the deacon that she saw herself hanging on the cross with Jesus and she says it hurts so much it was just like over the years she went through the sorrowful mysteries from the agony in the garden to the crucifixion and it's just it was hard to watch she passed away Christmas Day 2015 so what was that experience like after those over 11 months of being in the hospital mostly in Chicago traveling back and forth majority of the time was spent in hospitals and in hotel rooms by the hospital waiting for treatments we could see her declining and yet she just didn't give up um, twice they came at when she was moved home, transferred home at the beginning of December. She had people from hospice come out from Bismarck and say, don't you, don't you think maybe you're ready to do that? Though she was totally incompetent, they knew this, she said, no, I, 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 I think I still want to go on. And they said, but... Oh, Michelle, 
you know, the more you you have to be poked and prodded and all these fevers and this. And her comment was, I think Jesus wants me here, which kind of was a, a bit, we ponder that now, but later on it made sense because there was one religious sister that came out to help one night around December 8th to give us a, a little reprieve that we could try to sleep in our, our bed for a little while, a few hours. Our daughter Renee that did most of the nursing care particularly needed some rest. And after Michelle passed away, they asked us to come and visit with this religious sister from India. And, and she told us that that night when she cared for Michelle, Michelle told her she was going to die on Christmas Day. And she thought, but we don't know, Michelle, we don't know. She said, no, I'm going to cry, die on Christmas Day. So she was this longing to hang in there, I think, because as a child, she had heard the stories. I had a Pieta prayer book, a little Pieta prayer book from Tan Publishing. And, and, and she, Michelle was one of these beautiful children that loved to hear the stories. And if any devotion she'd hear about, she would do it the first Saturdays, the first Fridays, the no, nine-day novenas for Divine Mercy and praying at the poor souls in the cemetery. She did all these things because if Jesus or Mary came and gave us this message, we should pay attention to it. So she took it to heart. And in that little book, it told her that I remember reading these to our children that Jesus takes the most souls to heaven on Christmas Day. And though she was praying for a healing, which our Lord had told her that he would heal her in this life, we were thinking a physical healing. And for her, a healing would be, I can go to heaven, right? I can go, because she would make comments to Kenny, my husband here. Um, he'd say, boy, you know, I hope I make it to purgatory. <laughs> and she goes, no, no, Dad, you don't want to go there. You want to go straight up. So... The beautiful thing in all her years, from, I know for sure, college on, she always wore her scapular, did the devotions, and Mary's promise, the Sabatine privilege for wearing the scapular and following those devotions, was that I will come for you on the first Saturday after your passing and take you personally to heaven. She died on Friday, December 25th at 11:23 at night and we're confident that our lady's promise came through for her because one of our our oldest daughters all our family we were gathered around her bedside day and night over the holiday it was such a blessing we could all be there praying singing um personal one-on-one -on -one time and, and our oldest daughter went in to pray with her and said okay Michelle we know where you're going we just want to sign when you get there and that morning after they came to take her body we were saying another family rosary together in our living room when our daughter Lisa just started crying joyfully and Ken asked her you know what's wrong and she said, I just heard Michelle's voice, and, and she told me, you won't believe, Lise, you won't believe how beautiful. And so it, it, it was such an affirmation for, for Lisa. She's not a hysterical, imaginative person. It definitely 
and we've experienced something of hearing her ourselves that we're confident you know but the stories started coming in right after her passing and letters I must have received over 500 cards in the mail that first month all over the country some internationally it was so shocking I like how did she know so many people and how would they get her address and how would they hear about this well in the letters the stories they were so profound impactful how she had the conversions the reversions the just walking in their journeys and them desiring to to know Jesus the way she did I was like oh my goodness it's not your typical I'm sorry for your loss we're praying for you it was impactful beautiful stories so we set aside about 200 of these kind of things from that first month but they continued to come emails text messages phone calls letters saying they heard about her passing and how people were praying for us and praying to Michelle and then the stories started coming of people hearing her seeing her in dreams and surgeries people came to our farm we were hosting retreats for college students especially the folks missionaries they would have their training at at University of Mary and they would bring out groups to our farm to see where Michelle was buried and and see her room students would say when they would pray in her room they would receive the message uh, affirmation that trust trust in the Lord he will provide everything that you need and the see the thing about it Michelle was like a, a simple farm girl she was bright she went to college she traveled through through focus she had these beautiful experiences but she never had one class in faith formation not a one in theology some of these missionaries that prayed in her room that would have doubts or or, or anxiety about saying yes to our Lord Michelle did not have a lot of support whether it was in our home parish and area but she trusted the Lord would provide and he did in a tremendously big way one of the things we knew Michelle appreciated everything she never took anyone's generosity for granted she wrote and made phone calls to all those benefactors and stayed in touch with them not only through a letter but personal calls I care about you what can I pray for you and and we just heard beautiful stories from those people too. Some of them were non-Catholics that supported her in her focus ministry. You know, it, it was just amazing to see that they saw the goodness of this Christian woman and they wanted to support her. Uh, one thing in the documentary, it may be a while before it's released to the public. They're going to show it in like four different states, but in the documentary the bishop um, he made the announcement that in opening her cause and then he he did say that there was a woman that came to him and she had cancer and uh, it was not good I mean it was it was fairly far along and that she prayed to Michelle for her intercession to for her help either to 
help for a cure or or for to be able to accept what was coming anyhow she went to the doctor and he did an MRI and he said something is wrong here uh, it's not something isn't isn't right anyhow he did another MRI and then he said to the patient that there is no cancer here it's it's gone compared to the first cancer images and they were continuing to grow after they gave her the treatments the cancer was continuing to grow but then after she prayed to Michelle she came back and and the MRA showed nothing <laughs> it was gone <laughs> so I think that kind of helped the bishop uh, as far as making a decision that there is something really amazing here and and but there's been more um, miraculous things that have happened when people have been praying to her so so with these miracles that are being investigated then what's exactly the path then to sainthood right now she's a servant of god so what's next well, they're gathering all her writings and communications and then any, any of the stories that people want to share, comments, good or bad, about what they've known or if they personally knew her, to be shared with Bishop Kagan and, and the cause team. And they will, once they decide they have enough evidence or whatever it is the determining point, I'm not sure where along the journey, but they will um, submit that all to the Vatican. And, and there it'll be dis discussed and, and studied again. And if they feel that she should be considered in the capacity of being a venerable, then they'll declare that. And then it'll be open to waiting for uh, a miracle, a, a, a very profound obvious miracle that they can use to discern that the sheep should be called given the title blessed and then after that another miracle to become saint and so it's a long process and detailed and involved right now they're just gathering the information and and we just encourage people that have heard about her or want a prayer card they can go to the bismarck diocese there's a, it's the dupongcause.com is a i believe they're opening up a website shortly with that but on the prayer card it does give an address where you can go and share any stories that you might have or encounters but um one of the things too besides cancer being a cancer um, intercessor it's been profound the stories we're hearing about healings for young couples with fertility problems it's that has been amazing just beautiful stories of, of young couples that were told that uh, they would never be able to have a child or conceive or, and they have prayed to her or novena to her or just it, it, and it's so exciting for us to see those pictures of the babies that were delivered, the healthy, perfectly fine babies. It's, it's such a gift. So I think at some point she will be well known for, for that intercession as well.
and I encourage young couples to turn to toward her for help. She lost her fertility from the extreme surgical procedure she had, and so she would be very compassionate to, to those young couples. Jessica told us that right before her surgery, Michelle asked Jessica to pray with her, and um, she said, I really want to have a big family, and I don't want to have this surgery. Like, can you pray with me? And they prayed together, and even though she wasn't able to be a biological mother, she now has a lot of children. So God always answers prayers. I think it's just so beautiful hearing these stories about Michelle, how she never let her suffering turn into self-pity. Um, I think it's so easy, myself included, to ask, like, why God? Like, why are you allowing this cost? But I'm just personally so inspired by the way Michelle embraced redemptive suffering. And even I remember seeing in the documentary the moment she was told that she didn't have much time, she responded by asking somebody else how he was doing. The journey, it was so obvious as we progressed every day, there was always a great trial, another unexpected thing, something else went wrong. This, But every day there was some grace of God putting a special person, a special friend, a, 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 a caring person that reached out and helped us in our journey. And I was like, how did that happen? What are the odds that we would meet someone here way away from home and knew this contact or oh, it, the priests that came and brought her communion and so many graces that came and, and those are very treasured memories but I have to tell you after we got back home and she did enter the hospital the last time a physician came in and had a discussion with her and said Michelle don't you think you want to be at home there's nothing more we can do don't you want to die at home and so she took that advice and we the doctor came out to talk to me and shared with me. I just told her she needs to go home. And and then she turned to me, though, and she said, Marianne, you know, tell me what you think. Your daughter was given two months to live, and she's lived 12 months. But would you put her through that again? Was it worth it to see all that she had to endure? And my response was, you have no idea the lives she touched, the people on the journey with her. And Michelle wanted to serve those people and give them hope and courage. She knew she wasn't the only one going through that. Every place she was, there was full of cancer patients. I'm not the only one. And she didn't want the intention to be on her. She wanted to give hope to everyone she met and it could have been the cleaning lady you know it, it, the taxi driver stewardess anyone she encountered she sincerely could look them in the eye and say you matter I care about you your day how are you doing you know so she touched a lot of lives in that journey I know her Caringbridge site I think it was 223,000 hits during that year people following her on that journey and if she would have said I give up I'm done 
well, I don't want to go through that. Give me a, a shot, a pill or whatever, and get this over. Look at the impact she's made and continues to impact. So that's why it's a great blessing for us to be able to share her story because we want to give people hope as well when they're on these journeys. One of the things Michelle did tell me when she was at Mayo, we were waiting for the rest of the family to arrive. She thought she was prayerful and she was always contemplated things before she talked. Even when doctors would come and say, what would you rate your pain today? And she would maybe say, oh, two. And I would look at her like, oh my goodness, you are ex and she would go, but I think about Jesus and what that cross was for him. And my cross is so little. It was like she would reflect on that. So it was always, a, where am I at today? It, it's nothing like what Jesus endured. So how can I complain? But it, it was remarkable. But, uh, you know, the, just those encounters with the people... I want, I, I want them to know there's hope and those crosses serve a purpose. Redemptive suffering is a beautiful thing if you can, if you can offer it. It can be challenging to want to do that, but the fruits of that are unimaginable. Um, I guess that, well, that's why we're here. She was so good at taking that and saying, Jesus, I will do this for this one soul. I will do this for this person. We heard later there was a particular soul she was offering all her suffering and she said if I could take this one this and hand it to Jesus when I meet him and say for this one soul it's all worth it. A beautiful reminder of how we're all called to live out sainthood and that our ordinary lives can become sanctified just by simply offering up every moment of our day no matter what we do, who we are, what our vocation is. And I think Michelle is just a beautiful example of that call to sainthood that we all need to chase after. Just one thing, one of the priests said, in the, it's in the documentary, that Michelle would say that, I just introduce you to Jesus and he does the rest. And that's what her main goal was to bring, bring souls to Jesus beautiful oh thank you so much ken marianne for your time and for sharing michelle's witness it's not it's just honestly an inspiration to both of us and to so many people and we are going to be praying for continued conversion of souls through michelle's intercession and also praying for both of you too uh in your journey as well so thank you so much for for everything well michelle would say praise be jesus christ all for his glory she wrote a letter to Jesus that we found later. And in the letter, she stated that she wanted to become a great saint, all for the greater and glory of God, of course. So she's still working, and we want people to know it's not about her. We're ordinary people, and we're striving on that journey. Yeah, I remember hearing in the documentary, she said, God is giving you the grace right now to become a saint and I was just very inspired by that and I'm so inspired by her witness and I'm really just so honored and blessed to turn to her for intercession. Everyone 
can make it to heaven. In this game, everybody can win. And the only people in heaven are saints. So, <laughs> so thank you. This is Truth Puff.